the Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler show you what it takes to become a top 10% performer in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler, and we have Dr. Kathy Greenberg on the phone. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning. Glad to uh, start this today, and Kathy and I are your co-hosts for Leadership Development News, and between us, we have helped thousands of leaders and executives to perform in the top 10%. And today's uh, show features Blythe McGarvey. Now, Blythe is the author of Fit In, Stand Out, and subtitled uh, Mastering the FISO for Fitting in Stand Out Factor, Key to Leadership Effectiveness in Business and Life. We're going to be interviewing her about her book, uh, and she has a new book also. But her book has reached a wide distribution in the U.S. and was featured in Barnes & Noble, has been published outside the U.S., including uh, in Spanish, Indian, and Russian language. She does have a new book that we'll be talking about, Shaking the Globe, Courageous Leaders Connecting the World. This will, will be published by uh, John Wiley & Sons and available in January 2009. So we get a great opportunity to get a preview of that. And Kathy and I want to bring you the best in current leadership topics, interviews with proven leaders, and we like to provide evidence-based best practices to help you develop more leaders in your organization. And Kathy, thanks, really. Yeah, we are very excited today to have Blythe McGarvey with us, and we're going to talk about a book that she is constructing, and we'll learn lots about all the things we like to share with you in this show, including knowing that leaders are the heartbeat of any organization, and most leaders really do underestimate just how much influence they have over others, and as a result, they and their teams can underperform. But doing just a few things differently can really drastically improve your performance and your organization's ability to improve. What you'll always learn in our shows are how to develop more leaders in your organization, what happy companies know, a little bit about emotional intelligence and positive psychology strategies in every program, and we also like to talk about generation, gender differences, brain and neuroscience, work-life practices, managing your boss, self-management strategies, plus many, many more. And in today's program, we're going to talk about global leadership and how your impact, your leadership impact is going to flow through the globe. So today's guest is Blythe. Blythe, you want to say hello? Hello, everyone. All right, great. Well, before we bring her on, uh, Relly and I want you to know more about what leadership development is all about. Relly? And like Kathy said, um, the reason we talk about leaders so much is, is that it's been documented that leaders have 50 to 70% influence over the climate of their team. Leaders um, are the emotional thermostat for their team, and that's because emotions are contagious. And we know that being a star performer, as we define, it's someone being in the top 10%. So we try to give you as much input uh, and data tool strategies to be in the top 10%. The more you move up the corporate ladder, the more you need some of these skills from emotional intelligence when compared to IQ or techno expertise. 
And we also know that you can increase profit in your organization by creating coaching networks. Both Kathy and I are certified coaches. And studies show that happiness is tied to profit by more than 93%. And we also know that when you add coaching to training, it gives you a big bump in productivity. So if you want more information about some of the things that Kathy does, her website is www.h2c leadership.com. She has happiness books, tools, uh, what her speaking keynotes are, leadership and coaching services. And if you're interested in more information about me, my website is www.truenorthleadership.com for emotional intelligence, books, tools, speaking keynotes, leadership, and coaching boot camps. And Kathy, you, you've uh, no Blythe and, and uh, have been able to get her on the show, so maybe you can tell us a little bit about her background. Well, I'm delighted. Uh, Life is a, a new associate, but as a, a female author and one of the, I would say, I guess in, in 1995 was one of only 10 female CFOs in the Fortune 500. Um, it's an honor to know her and to have her on the show with us today. So let me tell our audience just a little bit about her, and as we get into our question and answer uh, portion of the program, I'm sure you're going to be delighted with her knowledge, her expertise, and her expansive leadership skill, which she's going to share with us today. Well, since about 2003, uh, Blythe has been president and founder of Leadership for International Finance, offering a global perspective for clients seeking profitable growth and providing leadership seminars for corporate and academic groups. She has a pulse on developing leaders and um, and helping them respond effectively to changing situations as a result of her extensive corporate experience and her service on several boards, including Accenture, Pepsi Bottling Group, the Traveler Companies, and Viacom. The recent announcement from Viacom indicated that McGarvey is renowned for her perspective on leadership, consumer markets, and worldwide economic trends. Since 1999 and through December 2002, Ms. McGarvey was Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer of the BIC Group, a French company, and one of the world's leading manufacturers of convenient disposable products. I'm sure we've all had some connection with them. For about five years prior to joining BIC, Ms. McGarvey was Senior Vice President and Chief Financial Officer of Hannaford Brothers Company, a multi-billion dollar supermarket retailer. Besides her international experience at BIC, Blythe was the Chief Administrative Officer for Sara Lee Corporation based in Chicago, where she was responsible for the finance, strategy, information systems, and human resources functions for the personal products business in their Pacific Rim, Asia, Australia, and South American industries, where she grew the division to $600 million in sales over just a three-year period. Ms. McGarvey is a certified public accountant, and she was the youngest person to receive a two-year MBA from Kellogg Graduate School of Management. She's been featured in numerous national and international publications and media, including the New York Times, CFO Magazine, Fast Company, More Magazine, Consumer Goods Technology, and Business Finance, as well as CNBC. For more information on Blythe McGarvey's speaking engagements and books, go to her website, www.fisofactor.com. That's www.fisofactor.com. Well, 
with that introduction, Blythe, I don't know how you're going to be able to say anything <laughs> that we're not going to be glued to. So welcome to the show. Well, thank you again, Kathy. It's a delight to be here. Well, we have some questions for you, and as you know, we like to be interactive, um, so we may scoot around a little bit. And uh, since I've been talking for so long, I'm going to turn the reins over okay. to my friend Relly here. Uh, well, Blythe, what a, what a great background, and, and so we want to be able to pick your brain a bit just about some of the things that have worked for you, some of the things that you have seen. So maybe a way to start off is, is tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and, and how do you come to work in, in the field of leadership? Well, really, it's also nice to meet you, and you. it's something that I've studied since I was really in college. I always was interested in what makes a strong leader, what makes an effective leader. You know, there were some people you just wanted to follow, and there were other people that were in positions, and you said, I wouldn't go to that company or I wouldn't work for that person if you paid me an inordinate amount of money. And so I, I've been studying leadership really um, since I was 18, uh-huh. and over the years, I, it surprised me that um, there was a consistent message that kept on coming through, and I love your facts and figures that you shared with the audience earlier, because there are proven studies, like you cite, that show with the right leader, with happiness, I mean, you can actually make a huge difference, not only in your life, but also in your business. And I was lucky. I, I, I knew very early um, in, in life, in fact, in um, Fit In, Stand Out, I said at age 12, I decided I wanted to become a CPA, a certified public accountant. And people sometimes think, oh, man, she must be a real nerd. But it was something that I, I was good with numbers, and I love business, and combined that with trying to be a leader to help other people understand business. It just seemed like a natural thing for me. Well, you know, I'm going to uh, piggyback um, on that. Uh, let me ask you a, a really kind of different question. But if someone says that they're not good with numbers and they become bleary-eyed looking at financials, how do you get them interested in finance? You know, that's a great question because I also found as a woman a lot of people said, oh, don't go into accounting. You have an outgoing personality. Go into marketing or sales. Do something like that. And I kept on saying, well, but I am good with numbers and I do like numbers. So I've, I've, I've dealt with people who, who understand figures and those who are afraid to death of figures. And what I say to people who, as you say, bleary-eyed looking at financials, it, it, it's a process. Think about traveling. Most of your audience has probably gone on a trip outside the country. And it's really like traveling in a foreign land. At first, we feel a little uncomfortable. Even I did. Like, I don't get this. I don't understand this. Or what does this all mean? Or how can you see trends? But as you start traveling in a foreign country or start traveling in the world of finance, you start learning the language. And that is so much a part about feeling comfortable with analysis and understanding what an annual report is saying and, and what's going on with a company so you know you're not working for another Enron, but you're working for a great company. And, and there are just so many clues that are, seem obvious. But first, like anything, you have to walk before you can run. You have to play with the language. You have to make mistakes. You have to try on a small basis, and then you get more and more comfortable. So I, I really encourage people who might get bleary-eyed, to use your word, I think that's a great word, is it's just like a foreign trip. You know, you have to pack a few guidebooks, maybe get familiar and take some, pay some attention to the currency 
and then really have a love of learning and just say, okay, what does this all mean, and, and how can I then understand a little bit more about my own world by understanding finance? Because I, I believe finance is so critical to business. If you're in sales or marketing or if you're uh, giving seminars or if you're doing operations, if you're what, whatever your position, you need to understand a piece of finance because it is the language of business. Well, that's a, uh, a great way to, to just to express it, and I like just your use of, uh, of language blithe as far as the metaphors and stuff you're using. And so I think um, some of this bridge, you were a financial chief financial officer for eight years, and so now it uh, sounds like what you're doing mostly is writing and speaking. Um, so w- what happened for you that allowed you to make that change or want to make that change, you know, from being actually, you know, in the C-suite to being an author and a speaker and a writer? Well, it's very interesting. I I worked at my very first job right out of school for Arthur Anderson and Company, one of the big eight public accounting firms. And over the years, I always felt proud that I worked for that company because they trained as well. They spent 10% of their gross revenues on training. They had high integrity. And when they disappeared from the face of this earth in August of 2002, it shook my world. I did not have any allegiance with them at that time, but it made me rethink what I wanted to do, and that's how I really decided to get into leadership. Well, Blythe, we're going to hold on that thought. We're going to come right back after this message to Leadership Development News with Blythe McGarvey and talk more about your new book. The Bottom Line in Business, Voice America Business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and and influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Once upon a time, there lived three energy hogs. Now, an energy hog is what you have when humans waste energy. One day, the three energy hogs set out to find themselves a cottage. Let's look for leaky windows, said the first energy hog, for he knew that would waste energy. Let's look for leaky doors, said the second. Let's look for a swing set, said the third, for he had more blubber than brains. So they set off down the road. Presently, they came upon a tiny cottage where dwelled a clever girl named Dreadylocks. I hope it has leaky windows, cried the first energy hog. I hope it has leaky doors, cried the second. I hope it has the bathroom, cried the third, for only his brains were smaller than his bladder. But Dreadylocks liked playing cool games at energyhog.org. And from energyhog.org, she learned how to use energy wisely. So the three energy hogs were forced to look elsewhere to waste energy and had to use the disgusting restroom at the gas station down the road. And the moral of the story is, to use energy wisely, log on to energyhog.org or waste not, hog not. This public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. 
This is Ed Hanway, CEO of Cigna Corporation. Join us in celebrating all babies, those born healthy and those who need help to survive. Go to marchofdimes.com and tell your special baby's story. Read other stories, too. And while you're there, learn how you can help the March of Dimes fight premature birth and give babies a healthy start. What a wonderful way to celebrate babies. Marchofdimes.com. Internet's only all business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. I'm Dr. Rowley Nadler, and I have Dr. Kathy Greenberg as our co-host. And we're talking with Blythe McGarvey, author of Fit In, Stand Out, and then she's also going to talk about her new book, Shaking the Globe. And, Blythe, just before we, we uh, went to the break, you talked about it sounded like a defining moment for you when Arthur Anderson went under because we asked you about the question of you know how you shifted from being in the C-suite to being a professional speaker and author. And so maybe you can say a little bit more if the, you know, if to follow sure. up on that, what it was about that and then how you made that bridge to this new field. Well, it was interesting because I was a CFO and I was traveling between Europe and the U.S. and it, it struck me, I said, you know, being a CFO no longer seemed like the only choice. Hmm. And I felt personal, personally that I needed to help restore trust in business. Hmm. Um, you know, when a great company can stumble so quickly, I thought there must be something going on here that, you know, people aren't looking at the clues, people aren't seeing what I, I, I had seen, and I had expected it to happen, but never so quickly. And so I said to myself, what would be the best way that I could help restore trust in business? And I said, well, I've always been a good speaker. It's something I did in my 20s. It's something I love to do. And I said, I wanted to help people show them how they can make money in business legally, uh, maintain an independent integrity, and thirdly, still have fun doing it. Because I always enjoyed my time in a large companies and medium-sized companies. And in fact, I still feel I'm in the corporate world because I am, am very much involved through my companies on whose boards I, I sit on. But I decided to leave my, my position and really start a uh, speaking career and creating these workshops teaching finance to non-finance professionals to do what I call find the joy of business because it is a wonderful, wonderful um, opportunity that we in America uh, enjoy with, with virtually um, less protectionism and interference than many, many other countries. Let me just ask you, going back to your, your first book, Fit In, Stand Out, um, which which seems to be about how to be a successful leader. Tell us a little bit about why you wrote um, that book and then how you kind of moved into this second book called Shaking the Globe. Well, the first book was really the thoughts I'd been accumulating and the research I had done in trying to understand, is there a pattern in being a good leader? Because a lot of people think they are until it may be too late. 
are there some characteristics? And I didn't mean just personality because you're born with a personality and you can adapt some of it and make it heighten some of your personality experiences. I was really thinking about characteristics that you can learn. And it turned out that as I was doing my research, it really started boiling down to six major factors. And each of these factors had a yin and a yang. In other words, there was one side that was really important just to be part of a team, to integrate. That was the fit-in side. And then there was the other side of the factor, which was really more how did you stand out? Because you really need to stand out to transform a business, move it ahead. I mean, one of my clients, for example, is American Express, and we say to their um, participants in our workshops, listen, someone had to invent the credit card. It's 50 years old today, but that concept did not exist 50 years ago. It took someone to stand out and try and transform the business from traveler's checks to, to credit cards. I mean, today we just say, of course we have credit cards. Of course we have that. Well, it didn't always exist. And so... What are those traits, those characteristics that are so critical to help you really make a difference and get rewarded personally, help your company grow, and help your community? Those are the three things that I, I think are important. Everyone wants to be rewarded on, for their own merit if they work hard and they want to improve their company so it will last, and also they want to improve their community. Very briefly, would you like me to talk about the six factors? Yeah, I'd, I'd like to, I was going to ask you that, so I think yeah. that would be great. And then I'll move in and talk a little yeah. bit about the second book. But um, the first, of course, was financial acuity. It gives you the confidence in order to make decisions. I was a CFO at my first company, and I realized a lot of people were making real estate decisions, where to put shopping uh, supermarket locations, but they didn't understand the difference between investing and financing decisions and we had the real estate guy, really, who was making the decisions, also doing the financial analysis. So it was a little bit like Fox watching the hen house. And so just something as simple as bringing in a professor to teach people how to separate the two decisions of financing and investing and changing how we and analyzed where we put shopping centers changed our whole dynamic, and we created great shareholder value for our company. So financial acuity is first. Integrity builds trust. So integrity, and I talk about some specific examples to prove your integrity. I then get into linkages because linkages allow you to have access to people outside your immediate circles. And studies have shown that if you want to find a new job or if you want to be able to accomplish something, you don't get it from your immediate, you don't make those connections from your immediate friends. It's usually second, third, fourth degree of separation. The linkages you make outside your immediate circles are often more valuable than your strong ties Mm -hmm. to your direct associates, your friends, and your family. So linkages is something that's often misused and misunderstood, but there are certain ways to use linkages to give you access beyond your own ken, your own neighborhood. Then the fourth was learning. Learning leads to innovation. You know, we had talked earlier Amongst ourselves, how much I love to read. Learning to me just keeps that wellspring of renewal, keeps me fresh, and there are ways to learn and how to structure your learning to bring you to a standout type of innovative way at business. And then next was perspective. You know, studies, and one of my associates has been doing this for 14 years, she showed that the number one reason people fail in business is they lose their perspective. And that's what happened with these recent scandals of the last few years. 
and even the ones of this year, people lose their perspective, and you need to get outside perspective, external perspective outside of your business in order to have balanced judgment. And then finally, and this is one that most people struggle with, but it's being global citizens. That turned out to be one of the most critical because then you're not, you're not surprised when something happens in China or India or Mexico or Canada. If you're a global citizen, it allows you to have a passport to opportunity. I called it really your passport to be agile and to be responsive to changes, whether they be demographic changes with an aging workforce, whether it be somebody buys your company and it, that, that somebody happens to be from a different country. It really helps you fit in, and stand out. And those were the six critical agents, I called them, the things that make a difference in one's life in order to really um, be successful. Well, I am really happy to hear that those uh, components are critical because I I know you know this, but uh, we resonate with that, certainly Raleigh and I do, and in the book that, um, that we did, on global leadership, next generation, with uh, Marshall Goldsmith, who's also been a guest on the show, we found that one of the top five character traits of a true global leader is having a global perspective. That global citizenship that you talked about, along with perspective, which allows people to learn, creates those linkages. And I, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't agree with you more. Tell me a little bit about um, how you then took this fit-in, stand-out model, which obviously Raleigh and I love, and took it to a new level with your new book that you're creating called Shaking the Globe. Right. Well, it's, it's interesting. As I started speaking to different groups and, and giving these workshops, the questions that would come from the individuals that were really wanting to know, well, how do I get this? The question centered around the global citizenship. That seemed the most difficult. And congratulations on working with Marshall Goldsmith because I think he's one of the most tremendous uh, researchers and, and has really progressed the whole field of leadership as well as your own book. I think it's really done a great service that people can learn from because it is learning. I mean, I wasn't born over, you know, with accounting skills, and I, I wasn't born with really knowing how to deal with different cultures. So what I found is I, I, our company developed an assessment tool, and it was an easy, on the web, 26 questions, and people would take this, this, this assessment tool, and we found that people broke into four different quadrants. So if you imagine on the x-axis a uh, fit-in and on the y-axis a stand-out, if you were low and fit-in, and excuse me, if you're, let's let's go from the very far right. In one of the far right lower quadrants, if you're high and fit in, but you were in uh, low standout, you were conventional. Nothing wrong with that, but things aren't going to really change, and you're probably, you know, just going to kind of go around and not achieve all your potential. You're in the conventional quadrant. If you were low fit in and low standout, you were compliant, and that's that's. Usually not good. I mean, there are a few fields where you have to be compliant. Let's say you're the corporate librarian, but you're not going to make a big difference if you're compliant. You really won't break out of the box, and a lot of people won't recognize what you can contribute. And then if you move up to the other quadrant where the scores, and we did thousands of these, we found that that was a fascinating quadrant, high standout, low fit in. Those were called the challengers. These are people who you want to have 
working with you, but they are often not listened to because they haven't learned yet how to integrate into the team. They don't know how to build the support that's so necessary to make a difference, although they want to. So that's the great news. They've got the fire and the passion in their gut to make a difference. And then once they learn a little bit more about how to fit in, so they're high on fit in and high on stand out, then they become courageous. And in this quadrant, this is when you're humming. This is the leader that will take you to new heights, and it, and it really does take courage to deal with global citizenship. So, for, so from all these different studies and finding out what are the qualities of four different types of leaders, it really led to a courageous leader is what most people strive for. Not everyone. Not everyone wants to take the time or has the interest. But it was really courageous leadership, and then that led to shaking the globe, which I can talk a little bit more about empowering. We're going to hang on every word here um, until we get through this next commercial break, and we'll be right back with Leadership Development News, talking with Blythe McGarvey, and we're going to come back and talk about her new book, Shaking the Globe. Bottom line in business, Voice America Business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better what do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately how do you delegate effectively how do you develop strong relationships across the organization emotional intelligence training coaching books and tools by dr nadler are available at his website www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066 adding fractions is nothing for real look these are denominators. You multiply this one so that it's the same as that, then you add them up. Man, that's easy. Charles Bennett dreamed of returning to the old neighborhood as a teacher. But without money for college, only half of his dream came true. He's back in the old neighborhood. Well, enough math. I got to deliver these sandwiches. Please support the United Negro College Fund. A mind is a terrible thing to waste. A message from the UNCF and the Ad Council. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler. I'm Dr. Kathy Greenberg on the line, and also Blythe McGarvey, and she's just been telling us about um, you know four types of, of leaders: conventional, compliant, uh, challengers, and courageous. And during the break, Kathy and I were just trying to map that out so we can kind of move forward. 
So I, I imagine uh, your new book, Shaking the Globe, is about the courageous um, quadrant. Is that right? And then maybe you can exactly. tell us, tell us to kind of lead us into you know that book and, and and where you're going with that. Well, it's interesting because so many people say, "Well, wait a minute, I've got the right IQ. I even have good EQ, and I work on EQ all the time." but yet I'm not able to really achieve what I want to achieve, either financially or emotionally or, you know, just to make a difference on this earth. And it turns out you have to take certain actions and understand global, uh, the global world, if you will, and that's what courageous leaders did. They had a real interest in understanding the interconnected globe. So that's how courageous leadership led to shaking the globe because what I found is, you know what, the globe is shaking right now. Think of uh, uh, the globe is changing. Sometimes you don't know which way. And to some people, they're afraid when they hear it's shaking. They go, yeah, I don't know if I'll have my job tomorrow or my house tomorrow. Well, the point is, don't be afraid. There are things you can learn through reading, through discussion, that, and I hope my book is one of them when it comes out next January, is shaking the globe means there are things that you can put guideposts along the way. Again, I, I treat it like a journey, and you find out there are certain six stops, I call them. I guess I love the number six, but <laughs> it just worked out that way um, that you have to address in order to really develop that uh, understanding to maybe make the globe shake in a way that benefits you and your community. Let me ask you a little bit about your um, your coaching strategy uh, because I know that you do some coaching uh, as an executive who's been in the global marketplace and you use a lot of these um, processes and philosophies and practices. So what do you say to someone that you're coaching to help him or her understand how to go global, how to use some of these techniques? Yeah, great question. Uh, I really think, Kathy, that when I coach someone and I, I do it one-on-one and some People I've done it for two years and others I've done it, I've just started, they're, they're new. I really first try and assess where they are. And that's where we do the assessment test. And so what, depending on which quadrant there are, will depend on how I go about coaching that individual. So let's say that person is a challenger. And I know that person really wants to succeed because you've got to have that sort of desire to stand out. And what I would say to someone in the challenger quadrant, as that person wants to go global, is I would really try and encourage um, the person to listen because most challengers are very busy talking and making sure that their point of view is understood. A lot of Generation Y, um, and I work with a lot of Gen Ys, they, they say, hey, I've worked hard, I've got a lot to do, I, I want to make a difference in this world, but they forget a little bit, and they're very eager. I love working with Gen Ys, and they have high expectations on succeeding, but they haven't learned the hidden rules or hidden hierarchies in business and in cultures. So in those cases, what I really try and encourage is say, listen first, understand what you're stepping into. For example, I learned it the hard way. I was once in Singapore, this was in the early 90s, and I was talking using American metaphors, things like, oh, it's as easy as um, mom's apple pie. And later my boss said, Blythe, no one understood what you meant when you said that. And so I had to learn, huh, you know, that's true. I'm taking it as if my perspective is understood by everyone. So I think I would try and coach people, first seek to understand then seek to speak. 
and that's really important. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and it, it means collaborating, but there's different ways to collaborate. And, and, and in Shaking the Globe, when I talk about, um, for example, the, the, one of the last chapters, I talk about values and fitting them in global context. Not all cultures want to collaborate collaborate like Americans. A lot of cultures, mainly in Asia, Japan and China, they feel much better if they know who's the boss in the room and there's things you do to make clear if you're the boss or if you're the subordinate. And they're, that way they feel, okay, now I know where your position is. Now I know how to interact with you, which will lead to collaboration. But it's not this team play, everybody's equal, like we see so often in the American culture. Oh, and that's also true of the emerging markets in the Central European community. Yes. And you're also starting to see it in the, um, the Middle East, where we're having success uh, opening businesses now in areas where we didn't have opportunity because people like that hierarchy. So we do need to listen first. Absolutely. In fact, it's interesting. I was just in St. Petersburg last week, and I mean Russia, not Florida. And um, when I was there, one of the people I was speaking to, she said, you don't really realize she was with us for a day. She said, we can choose all different chocolates now. Ten years ago, we had one chocolate, Russian chocolate. And even though she has the choices, this is a culture that has to learn about, you know, maybe I don't have to be as hierarchical as I thought I used to have to be. But listen, they were taught that as children. They were taught that in their schools. They were taught that by their family. No matter what you think, the Russian culture is still a very tough culture, very hierarchical. You know, what does our czar, what does Putin, what does our leader want us to do? And from there, we'll figure out how much we want to collaborate or how much we don't want to collaborate. So it's a different way to fit into that culture before you learn how to stand out. And, and I think going back to your point earlier, it's, it's that perspective and, and really being open to others' perspective. You know, if you seek to speak uh, second, you know, the first part is really just being open in, 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 in that learning state. Absolutely. And the reason why it's so critical now, you know, why do we care about going global now? It's because we're more interdependent and interconnected than we've ever been. I think people are starting to realize that when they say, who's taking the oil? I, I, I was talking in front of a group, and I said, you know, we're pretty upset. Those Chinese are taking our oil. That oil should be coming here to America because that's how we view it. You know, we helped explore. We helped create the companies in, in Middle East to develop and, and export that petroleum. But it is not our oil, you know. It really is a different balance of power that's going on. And, and let me say this while I'm thinking about it. I believe that America is actually not going down. I believe America will still be able to enjoy our policies and our lifestyle and our, our business opportunities. What I think is happening is the rest of the world is coming up. So people think what we, will, we're, we may be failing or we may not be able to survive some of the crises. I totally disagree. We have re- resilience. We'll be able to survive, thrive. But it looks different because we see emerging markets and other countries rising right now, and we say, hmm, it's not a win-lose game. You can have a win-win, uh, and it's not no-sum. So I think we're going to win as well as other countries are now improving their standard of living. When you are um, thinking about the book, um, Shaking the Globe, as you continue to do, as you uh, complete this, this thesis, what are some of the clues that, that you've come across that uh, kind of give you an awareness that the globe is shaking? 
Great question. Uh, let's start with one of the most basic, and I, and I quote Peter Drucker because he's one of my key people that I, I've learned from over the years, and I was fortunate to meet him before he, he passed away at 95, I think. Um, look at demographics and the world population. If you think about the age of the world population, in 2007, in the whole world, we had 6.6 billion people. In developed nations, we have about 1.2 billion. So we're not, the, we're not the majority if you're in a developed nation. If you look at the percent of population older than 65 years old, that's 16% in a developed nation. If you look at emerging nations, they only have 6% older than 65 years old. And if you look at developing nations that have young people, younger than 15 years old, 31%. It's remarkable. So of these 5.4 billion, about a third of them are under 15 years old. In other words, these people in developing nations are going to be setting trends. They're going to be um, the new workforce. They're going to be having habits and cultural norms that may be different than the developed nations. In fact, I can guarantee you they are different. Um, you know, even how they treat their family. I'll give you an example. In India, where we do a lot of business, I serve on the board of Accenture, we find that we need to invite the parents into the offices before the son or daughter will accept a position. Because by bringing their parents in, they feel comfortable that their child, is, who's not a child, he or she might be 24, their young adult, will be working for a company that has clean, safe, good buildings, has the interest of the family, family is very important. And just by inviting them in for a day, that help, has helped us reduce our turnover and we get some of the best and the brightest people by including the family as part of the employer decision. Isn't that fascinating? Because that never used to happen right, in the right. U.S. when I would apply for a job. Well, it's funny because there, are, there have been numerous shows on television talking about the problems they're having with millennials because they'll go to work and get a, a bad job performance review and their parents will call <laughs> their employer and remark on the fact that they didn't give Johnny or Sally the kind of review that they had expected because America is made of winners. There are no losers, and as a result of that, parents are getting more involved in the lives of millennials at work. Well, and it's interesting. I think that's true in the U.S. Once the parent gets involved in India or some of these others, they're not going to question authority and say, why did your boss give you a bad review? How, how dare he or she? Um, they're going to say, you better improve. So the response, which you point out, Kathy, is different also culturally. And so knowing whether that's appropriate or not is, is very critical. Well, let me ask about another clue. And, really, I don't know if this has struck you in your travels, but um, I, I travel you know, globally, as most of us do nowadays. And I can go through Singapore, India, Malaysia, uh, Dubai, um, you know, just about anywhere, uh, in, you know, South Asia, um, in the Pacific Rim. And all the kids are dressed alike, you know. Mm. So when we, when we come back, back from this break, what I'd like you to comment on is the globalization um, that's also happening that's helping us shake the world together. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll be right back with Leadership Development News and our guest, Blythe McGarvey.
the bottom line in business. Voice America Business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better? What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Do you need directions to solve financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Dad, let's sing that bedtime song. Rock-a-bye, baby, by Newton's treetop. His first law of motion, make sure you won't stop. The same rules of physics apply to a ball. While gravity is a force that makes things fall. By the sixth grade, many girls lose interest in math and science, but it's never too early to set your daughter's future in motion. For some simple ideas, go to girlsgotech.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Girl Scouts of USA and Ad Council. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking about Blythe McGarvey in our last segment here. Before the break, we're talking about uh, some of the global uh, communities and maybe some of the similarities, and, and maybe Blythe, you can pick up from that, you know, Kathy was commenting how a lot of a lot of folks, they dress the same, and maybe you can give us some of your viewpoints on that. It's, it is remarkable, you know, t-shirts and jeans, that is the uniform in San Paulo, and I think the fact that dressing is somewhat universal, people want to have similar clothes, it is showing that I think it's getting easier right now to really go global, much easier than it was 20 years ago. And I would say there's really a couple reasons. One of the clues is the dressing. People are accepting of different ways of of wearing clothes. Secondly, it's easier to make linkages. It has become so much easier to travel. Um, There are discount airlines. There are ways to travel. It's just 
part of many, many cultures right now to see the world. And once you do that, I think that also helps you get the perspectives. Sometimes it's humbling for me when I go into a country and I realize, oh, my goodness, I, I, I've just got to make do something different here or I have to speak at International Women's Day and, and really help other women see things that they could possibly do and, you know, try and encourage some of the local charities that go on in these different places. It's getting easier and easier to make those linkages and to get those perspectives. So I, I agree. I think it's the youth, and that's why I'm so positive and optimistic. I think it's those 31% out of 5 billion <laughs> that's yeah. really going to help everyone, whether we're baby boomers, which is what I am, or whether we're a, a millennial. It's going to help us all. Well, obviously it's going to be very important for us to be able to do successful business in countries that are like us, that are not like us, that speak with us, whether it's China or France. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. And, you know, I think the French have so many wonderful qualities, and they also have so many difficulties that they have to overcome culturally, too. But I, but I think it, you can learn from each culture and say, what, what makes them strong, and, and is there something that I can learn to help innovate from that culture when I bring it back to my home culture? You know, Blythe, one of the things we want to do, just at, at, as we're coming to the end here, is to get uh, some of the content from your new book. And you have a chapter, Entrepreneurs from A to Z. Um, maybe you could tell us two or three points from that chapter that you think are most relevant to our listeners. Yeah, I'd be delighted to. I call it entrepreneurs from A to Z, from Albania to Zimbabwe, because people around the world love to try and be an entrepreneur and have some control over their own lives. And there are three things that I would recommend. If you're one of those people that wants to really be an entrepreneur, whether at a large company or your own company, the first is innovation is now happening in a fragmented way. What do I mean by that? you can find innovation in China that will help you in your business in Cleveland, Ohio. I mean, just stay with your eyes open. There are innovation labs throughout the world now, and a lot of the large companies, quite frankly, are putting their R&D centers outside of the U.S. instead of keeping them in the U.S. in order to tap into some of these just great ideas just by keeping your eyes open, going to schools in these different cultures. The second thing I would say is that it's so important to um, talk about and encourage entrepreneurism by asking this simple question, why not? When somebody has an idea, well, why not? There must be, you know, have somebody think and then say, well, why not try it? And if you position it as a pilot, a test, Oftentimes, people will say, well, why not try it? Instead of just breaking away from a company or breaking into a whole new division, it really helps. Anyone who's been contaminated by foreign ideas or who has worked in a different pace and culture, I don't call it contaminated. I think you have something to give back, and I'd say that's the second key is to say why not. I would say the third key is always fight red tape. One of the things that we have to look at in this election year is we have to make sure that we keep the bureaucracy to a minimum, and fight red tape wherever we can because red tape is discouraging, and there's a list of countries in my book where I say where there's high red tape and where there's low red tape, and that helps you understand how um, where there's an ease of doing business as an entrepreneur rather than many, many hurdles. So those, those would be my, my three ideas. 
continue to innovate anywhere. Those are fabulous. And say, why not, and then cut the red tape. When, uh, when I was at Drexel University, we had an innovation lab for entrepreneurs. And, um, boy, I, I love to hear you stand up and talk in front of them for a few minutes because I think just those three components are so critical to engendering the passion um, that one needs as an entrepreneur to keep going through the difficult times. Exactly. And that's what it takes. You have to keep to your vision and say, you know what, other people before us. People forget Edison had a lot of failures before he came up with the light bulb. (laughs) And he kept working at it and working at it and working at it. Same with Ford. I mean, Henry Ford, you're going to have failures. You're not trying hard enough if you don't have failures. The key is to get up again and try again. In fact, I'll leave you with this one thought. There's this Chinese motto that goes, leaders fall seven times but get up eight. Mm. Tells you a lot about what it takes to get something done in this world today. And I would imagine that in your book, um, Shaking the Globe, you talk about uh, a lot more of these kinds of A to Z uh, entrepreneurs and a lot more points. Um, that that are helpful to people who have a thought process that is going to help them get through some of these uh, walls and, and ceilings and floors. Absolutely. In fact, that's been the fun part about writing this book is there's probably 20 different examples, five different frameworks that people can use to say, okay, how can I figure out what it is to help me be courageous? How can I help my own decision-making? At the end of the day, this book will help courageous decision makers and decision making to so that we are able to adapt in a changing world you know without change we wouldn't be here that's uh, buddha says change is part of life and i really believe that just embracing it instead of being fearful of it makes the difference between a courageous and a conventional or a compliant or a challenger and i would really encourage all your listeners it's fun to be an entrepreneur, and to go global. And I think that's what you learn in the book. Some people have really done it. Blythe, I'm just looking at the table of contents before we end. So for people to follow up on this, Shaking the Globe, you have more about the four types of leaders. You have a lot about cultural norms, winning the war for talent. You have a chapter about women working, uh, shareholder interests. We talked a little bit about the entrepreneurs, A A to Z, values and global context. And um, so this has been really great to be able to just tap into some of your ideas and some of your thoughts. Any kind of um, last words you want to leave before we we end here? Well, first of all, thank you for um, going through some of the key aspects in the book. I really do appreciate it. But I, I, I want to leave with maybe, again, I do things in threes all the time. <laughs> Or sixes. Or sixes. <laughs> the practical suggestions that I have in the book, I, I think, will help your listeners create their own discipline to embrace the shaking globe. But I would say this, number one, seek help from other global citizens. You can't do it alone. There's a lot of us out there. You guys are. I am. Seek help from global citizens. Secondly, seek competence. It's so important in today's world to really separate the pretenders from the people who really are competent and understand what it takes in this business. And thirdly, seek knowledge. There's a lot of different resources I put in my book to help you improve your knowledge. And they can reach you at www.fisofactor.com, F-I-S-O-Factor.com. 
Exactly. Thank you so much. Thank you, Blythe. We look forward to reading your new book when it's out in January. Thank you. And this has been Leadership Development News signing off. Thank you very much. Take care. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you're leaving us today with some great ideas and inspiration from today's top leaders. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.